0: Welcome to Common Ground, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in Berlin and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi-Nelson. Germany is called the economic giant of Europe, but its digital reputation is another matter. Senior producer Dina El-Sayed reports. I can see the future. Robots live among us. There are
1: smart fridges and toothbrushes, smart everything. People can communicate just by thought. Oh, except in Germany. In this Deutsche Welle video, reporter Rachel Stewart pokes fun at Germany's reluctance to embrace the digital age. Is that a fax machine? Guess what proportion of German businesses still use fax often or very often? Sorry, this might take a while. Two-thirds? That's more than they use smartphones or video conferences. It's not just German businesses resisting digitalization. An inquiry by the liberal Free Democratic Party last October found federal government still uses over 900 fax machines. The European Centre for Digital Competitiveness in Berlin found most Germans and even more businesses do not trust digital politics. Chancellor Merkel, who made digitalization a priority in her final term, also expressed frustration over the slow pace of change at a digital summit last December. She said, there is a lot of discussion, but the urgency still isn't sufficiently acknowledged in many areas. Everything is changing, and at some point, we are going to end up dead last. Businesses, in turn, criticized the government. Achim Berg, who is the president of the German digital association Bitkom, told public broadcaster ARD that while there is good progress in developing the digital infrastructure in Germany, steps towards digital education and administration are long overdue. But the public isn't fully on board with embracing digitalization either. A 2019 study by the Friedrich Ebert Foundation found less than half of Germans surveyed believe their lives will improve through digitalization. So why are Germans hesitant about a digitalized future? And is it up to the Bundestag to help Germany become a digital innovator rather than a museum for technology, as Merkel fears? Or should this transition be managed by an independent digital ministry? We find out next on Common Ground.
0: That was senior producer Dina El-Sayed. Joining me via Zoom to talk about Germany's digital path is Bundestag member Daniela Kolbe, who is with the Social Democratic Party and who serves on the Artificial Intelligence Study Commission, Bundestag member Anke Domscheit-Berg, who is the left party's spokeswoman on the Digital Agenda Parliamentary Committee, and Philipp Meisner, founder and head of the European Center for Digital Competitiveness at the ESCP Business School Berlin. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> nice
2: to meet you. Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Philip, I'm going to ask you to briefly provide a global frame of reference. Can you tell us where Germany ranks when it comes to digitalization? Are we behind or ahead of the U.S.?
2: It depends on where you look when you compare it to the U.S. I think we are clearly behind. Uh, there are a couple of different rankings, uh, one by IMD, where we are constantly losing ground, and we have done our own ranking in which we compared 140 countries around the globe. And when we look at the G7 as a reference group, Germany has lost ground tremendously in the last three years when it comes to digital.
0: And I want you to briefly talk about your center's 2020 digital report on Germany, where you describe the findings as alarming. What is giving you the greatest concern there and why?
2: I think there are two issues. Um, The first one is, I mean, what we've done in this report is we've done a representative study of the German population. And there are two main findings. The first is that despite the pandemic, where um, in the last year everybody has talked about there's a push for and to digitalization, what we found is that the population doesn't really see that. So when you compare the numbers from 2019 and 2020, they have not actually perceived a push in digitization. And this is regarding mainly the public infrastructure, regarding schools, uh, regarding public authorities, and also the healthcare system. And the second finding, which may be even more alarming, is that um, the population doesn't really see that the political system or the government is taking care of this. So what we found is that 60 percent of the population say that actually no party has a concept in place for tackling this digitization challenge and also they see no front runner in terms of a politician so we asked um, who do you think is actually a good advocate for this digital transition and the top front runner was Christian Lindner but he only received four percent of the score so that's the best politician uh, we have in Germany right now. And I think the score could be vastly expanded.
0: Daniela, your party is a partner in the governing coalition. Do you agree with Philip's criticism or with what the study found? Actually,
3: I do. (laughs) I also live in this country and I also try to have fast internet and try to uh, make phone calls while sitting in the train. and It's a disaster felt by myself. So I Although I am part of a coalition, I have to say, yeah, it was not high enough on the agenda. But what I see is that now it's much higher on the agenda. When you look at our economic stimulus package during the pandemic, we give uh, 5 billion euro more to mobile networks. And if you look to the administrations, we have the Online Zugangsgesetz that now gives the push that Every administration has to provide every service, also online, until the end of 2020. But, of course, (laughs) in reality, uh, nowadays, it's very frustrating. Also, uh, if you look at the schools during the pandemic, tears are going down my face because it's a disaster uh, that so many schools are not able to give online teaching.
0: What is the problem? I mean, why is it then that despite money being there, the will being there, certainly Chancellor Merkel talks about this a lot in her speeches, why is it still being fumbled the way it is so that you have the kind of response that Philip talks about? I mean, four percent being the highest for the politician, you know, and he's not even in the government or not in the governing coalition.
3: Yeah, it was because of his uh, election campaign where he had some posters uh, dealing with digitalization. But I think it has several reasons. One is that Germany has a challenge as a federal state with uh, very complex competencies. And I think it's also about responsibility. I could now say, as a social democrat, only conservative politicians are responsible (laughs) uh, for digitalization. well, I'm a member of the coalition. I have to say, well, too many people are responsible for that. So no one really is responsible. That is a problem from my point of view.
0: Anke, you're in the opposition, obviously. How do you see it? I mean, do you think that the current government is to blame, that it's presenting the most obstacle to Germany embracing the digital age? Or is this about businesses or the public mistrust? Well, it's
4: all of this. but. Um... It's not only the current uh, government to blame, I must say, because this is a historic problem going on for lots of legislations already. For several governments in a row, we have seen a lack of strategy in terms of digitalization. We have seen uh, a definition of wrong goals and bad policies and bad regulation, even if they tried the best, for example, the subsidy programs for building out broadband, especially in uncovered areas. It had a bandwidth goal like 50 Mbit per second for downloads, but a very low goal for uploads. But it didn't have an infrastructure goal like we want fiber infrastructure. And this made it possible that companies, incumbents like Deutsche Telekom, Uh, could just build out the so-called vectoring technology, which is based on upgrading copper cables, and literally prevented the um, build out of fiber optic networks. Even the European Union gave that in writing, that this was a prohibition program. And also, bureaucracy is really bad, so even if you have billions of euros for subsidies, It takes one and a half year or two years from the first application to the first start of implementation. And that is just too long. And it's the same for fixed broadband, like for mobile broadband and lots of topics. I think the government just took on too late. I mean, Daniela Kolbo already described it quite precisely, I must say. But there's basically nobody anymore who's denying it, even in the government. For example, that digital education has to be brought forward much faster. And that is a problem which has many faces. One side is the infrastructure we already covered. Since if a school is offline and if pupils are offline at home, it's hard to do digital education, of course. But we also have, I believe, not even in one single state, and states are responsible primarily for education, you have not a single state which has In the teachers education digital education as an obligatory part of their teacher education so they can leave as young teachers in their early 20s with a diploma and haven't learned anything really about digital education and want to go teach for 40 years how is that possible in 2021 I can't understand this, yeah. But we also don't have electronic devices for kids. We don't have devices for teachers. In my state, in the state of Brandenburg, until the pandemic started to really push something here, we didn't even have email addresses for teachers. So they didn't know how to communicate with parents and their pupils. How do you send uh, tasks? If you don't have email addresses, yeah, you print out paper and send it by snail mail. So there are many things going wrong on many levels. And if we talk about government, before I did many other things, I worked in IT industry as a consultant, mainly for government on e-government. So I know many problems. One of the biggest problem is culture. We just don't have a digital culture, not in cities, not at a state level, not at the federal government. It's still stamps and paper-based. They just love fax machines. And it's very hard to get rid of this because we were one of the most advanced bureaucracies in the world when we started with making government in 1800-something. Yeah, And other countries copied us. And we stick to what was good at 1800-something, which is not really good. But it's hard to change culture. So it probably will take more time. But I do believe that the pandemic uh, changed something because I think the
0: last politician understood that you really need to do this faster and everywhere. Well, we're going to talk more about the pandemic after the break. But before we go to break, I do want to ask about this culture thing. I want to have Philip talk about whether Germans can actually get ahead digitally considering the strong stance on data protection and privacy.
2: It could also be an opportunity. I mean, when you look at Apple right now, they are positioning themselves as the privacy company. Now, this is what Apple is doing, not what the German company is doing. Um, But if I may just comment very briefly on the comments that Anke and Dalia made um, on the first question. I think it's absolutely fascinating to see the frame of this discussion. Now we are debating um, what Deutsche Telekom has done in the 70s and why this affects us today. Um, what we see today is that Elon Musk has put out uh, a satellite constellation, uh, has launched Starlink, and they have opened their German office. We will soon have a Starlink internet in Germany, which is uh, not a European company anymore. Um, Google and Facebook are building you know, deep sea cables around Africa to provide the infrastructure uh, for the digital age for Africa. And I think a lot of problems originate also with the term and what we mean when we talk about digitization. I think in Germany, when people talk about digitalization, it's 5G. What I think is digitization is a fundamental shift in our society towards future technologies and this includes much more than 5G, it also includes um, autonomous machines, virtual um, augmented reality, artificial intelligence and all of that and the concern that I have is if we now only talk about you know, 5G schools, um, email addresses for teachers, then we might actually miss the discussion that is happening right now because we are uh, having the discussion that should have happened 20 years ago.
0: We're gonna take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about the struggle to digitalize Germany, especially during a pandemic. Stay tuned.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Maurice Frank editor of the Berliner Zeitung English Edition, which is a proud partner of Common Ground. Is it hard for you to figure out what's going on in Berlin because everything you read or hear is in German? We at Berliner Zeitung English Edition can help, providing you with all the news you can use in English, whether on politics, business, or culture. We also offer riveting interviews and commentary. Look for us at berliner zeitung De en, or just type in Berliner Zeitung English edition into your search engine. I look forward to seeing you there.
0: I'm Soraya Sarhadi nelson the host of Common Ground. And I'm Dina el the senior producer. Each week we bring you a new lively discussion on a hard-hitting topic. If you want to learn
1: more about our podcast, check out our website at commongroundberlin.com.
0: The episodes are free to download, but they aren't free to create. Common Ground depends on grants as well as donations from listeners like you. So if you want to help us out, please click on the Donate button at CommonGroundBerlin.com. And thanks for listening. Welcome back to Common Ground. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and my guests via Zoom are German Parliament members Daniela Kolbe of the Social Democrats and Anke Domscheit-Berk of the Left Party and Philipp Meisner of the ESCP Business School Berlin. We've been talking about Germany's lackluster efforts in the digital age. And Philipp, I wanted to ask you about something that you and others have talked about, and that is a digital ministry. How do you think that would help the situation? Or is that still something that needs to happen, considering how much pressure the pandemic has put on the efforts to join the digital age?
2: I think it wouldn't necessarily hurt, but I don't think it's like the most important solution. And I agree also with the discussions that have happened around this digital ministry that it depends a lot on, you know, who does what and what the responsibilities are and what the budgets are, etc., But what I think it would do is it would give a very strong signal that this is now a top priority. And I think this is something that we really need.
0: Daniela, you had talked before the break about the pandemic and how that has changed some of the efforts, even though it's not quite as cohesive as you'd like. Do you think, though, that the government and businesses and German citizens, for that matter, are taking this more seriously than they have before? Because obviously the effort to digitalize is something that's been going on for years, if not decades.
3: Absolutely. I think it pushes on many sites looking to um, our schools for example but also how we want to work and how we work Uh, during the pandemic lots of people worked from home and liked it in a way so that is uh, something people will keep in mind and also businesses and also if you look at our economic stimulus package i think that is a very good sign that if you look into it, there is a lot of money given to future challenges and future technologies and also into digitalization. There are billions of money given into this concerning mobile networks, for example, and also other technologies. So I think uh, the pandemic gives a very good push. And before the break, uh, Philip (laughs) blamed us a little bit (laughs) that we were only uh, talking about infrastructure. Well, we were asked to talk about infrastructure. That's why we talked about infrastructure. But of course, digitalization is much, much more. And yeah, we have to encourage our population to go more into uh, these new technologies, artificial intelligence, for example. But how can you do this with a population that, well, yeah, has a little bit skepticism and uh, ask question. how will this change uh, my working life, for example. So I think in Germany, it's about trust. People have to trust these new technologies and have to see that it is improving their life, not only improving the bank accounts of some people. In Germany, it's about high standards and it's about managing important questions like climate change and so on. Um, I think that digitalization and artificial intelligence, for example, can be a big opportunity uh, to deal with these challenges. Then (laughs) our population will also say, yeah, uh, let's do it, Uh, let's go forward, but not only to make Google make business even better.
0: Yeah, I mean, the problem is that infrastructure isn't completely even across the country. I mean, Anka talked to the Associated Press last August about working and going to school from home being impeded by slow internet connections and funkloch, you know, I mean, the radio holes as they're referred to, uh, which often end up having all family members competing for bandwidth in one way, shape, or form or the other. Anka, has the situation improved since August? I mean, have there been any innovations or any positive? changes that you've seen well infrastructure is something you don't change in a couple of months so there
4: has not been so much progress there has been progress in other things like providing kids with laptops etc and i appreciate that there eventually came this governmental program but my experience also is that especially in the first half year of the pandemic we saw a lot of civil society taking over responsibility and uh, here i can talk about uh, my own little city for example in northern brandenburg one hour from berlin in an old train station we have built as a nonprofit uh, something like a makerspace, which emerged into um, now a digital classroom where you have a video and audio studio where teachers deliver classroom content directly to their students. But we also teach kids how to use 3D printers. And since that was not possible in the pandemic, we turned it into a production place for CO2 Measuring tools to be deployed to classrooms, so they know when to open the windows, yeah, to get fresh air in and aerosols out, and things like that. And we also um, have a small data center, nonprofit, partially, and this is hosting servers for education stuff for schools. We host a video conference servers for schools, so we take over where. The government was too slow to provide these services and it was possible but i mean you mentioned that this is not equal chances for all kids we also collected in a very small city something like 80 laptops for poor kids but it is a happy accident for those kids that they are in our little city so what to the next little city somewhere else if they don't have a nonprofit being that active like here in our city So what I demand and miss is a better and structural, sustainable support for civil society, which is really active and also is able to fuel the curiosity which children have towards digitalization. Even first graders, they love 3D printers, they like to learn programming, they like to build little robots in the shape of cats and everything else. But we need uh, those opportunities to be also outside of schools because there it's probably faster to implement change even in rural areas. And if we see lots of skepticism, it has to do also with lots of bad experiences Germans have that they often see they are somehow victims of digital monopolies. They can't defend themselves. The government isn't helping them enough. Instead, the government is trying to mass survey themselves and trying to implement more and more surveillance laws to just use digitalization against citizens. And they lack experiences where it's actually benefiting themselves. That, That is something Daniela Corbo also said. And we have to turn this experience around. We have to do
0: more for the benefit of all. And I think that's still a long way to go. Let me ask you and Daniela, are there countries the Bundestag looks to as role models for digital innovation? Well, I wish
4: it were. I mean, for the Digital Committee, I can say there are. Because we visited, for example, as a committee, with a committee delegation, Denmark and Sweden, And I can, I think, say for all members of parliament who were part of the delegation that we really admired and envied Sweden for how they built out broadband and Denmark for how they implement e-government. But I have to admit as an oppositional party members that differences between digital politicians are not as big as between other politicians of exactly the same parties. So sometimes... Even if digital politicians are convinced of the same thing, they are not able to convince the other uh, members of parliament of their own party. And they are usually not in the majority. So on average, the digital competence is not high enough and it shouldn't be a topic of the Digital Agenda Committee. It should be a bigger topic in all other
0: committees, too. Daniela, is there a country that you look to?
3: Actually, uh, the Committee on Artificial Intelligence, the study committee, wanted to travel to Finland, but uh, (laughs) sadly, the pandemic voided our trip, uh, so we couldn't go there. And also, we, of course, looked to France. So we looked to other countries, what they are doing um, concerning artificial intelligence as one aspect of digitalization. But in the end, what we learn is that we have to analyze our own strengths and our own weaknesses as Germany, and then work on that. Uh, that is uh, one lesson I learned from the study conditions.
0: Philip, let's turn to Germany for a moment. Is there a state or cities that are doing the digital transition better than others that can serve as an example?
2: I think it's very hard to say um, on a state level. Um, what I see is when we take a more broader definition of digitization that Bavaria is actually doing a quite good job uh, when you look at what's happening in and around Munich. Uh, There's a very large population of new startups, new organizations that emerge in which um, also technology is used, future technology is used. um, And I think this is probably one of the best examples that I see in Germany.
0: Do you see Germany becoming a leader in digital innovation? And if so, when might that happen?
2: I mean, this is what we want to help bring about, right? This is the mission of our center. And we want to actually inspire the debate, both in the government and also the public debate around this, because I really see we cannot afford not to be a winner in this, Right? I mean, uh, when we look at all these exponential technologies, some people estimate that there will be more wealth being generated in the next 10 years than in the last 100 years. So the only question is, how will this wealth be spread globally? And what share of this new wealth is going to be created in Germany? And so I think we need to find an answer to this. And When we especially look at these new technologies like autonomous machines, virtual reality, there are still markets that are just at the beginning of development, where Germany, where Europe could still play a role. But also there, we unfortunately see signs that the same thing is happening again. When we look at autonomous machines, we have just published study that shows that Europe, again, is completely backwards um, compared to China and the US. When we look at virtual reality, I mean, from just my personal experience, I wanted to uh, integrate virtual reality also in in the teaching at our university. And what I then quickly realized is when I want to buy hardware for virtual reality, there's uh, Facebook with Oculus and there's HTC. Those are the two hardware Um, Suppliers. There's no European, there's no German hardware supplier for this and I don't see one emerging on the horizon right now. So these are just a couple of examples where I worry, but I don't think that it's absolutely impossible. The the opportunities are there, the growth is, is massive. The only question is how can we set up our government, our society and our economy to make use of this transition.
0: Anka, I'm going to ask you to answer Philip's question. I mean, what needs to happen to speed up that process to make it more streamlined so that these steps can be taken? I think we
4: definitely need to stick to European values, but we need to change many other things. We always talk about this dichotomy of the US on one side, having the extreme capitalism and abusing people's data, etc., And then we have the state capitalism of China with mass surveillance, et cetera. So these are things we do not want. But what do we want and how do we make an interesting uh, concept out of it? And I believe um, it must have to do with Respect of the individual with social innovation, which I already mentioned, and this can be based on an open everything strategy, starting from open source, open access for scientific research results. We should follow the concept uh, public money, public good. So everything which is funded with public money should be public. Open data, open educational resources, open source, open hardware, Open AI, if we talk about artificial intelligence and make infrastructure and big um, AI learning data sets accessible, not only to big monopolies who can afford buying them themselves, but also to small and medium sized businesses, to innovators, to inventors, to students and nonprofits. Then we can see a whole set of new innovations which can really make a difference in the world and actually benefit the entire world i think we sometimes see ourselves too small and think as europeans we can't change big developments but i don't think it's true we are 500 million people all together and these are not just human beings they are consumers Uh, in a very interesting markets. And as we could see with the General Data Protection Act, we can have an impact on data protection regulation in other countries. And for example, I believe the European Union could tackle the interesting issue of how to provide a social infrastructure for the internet. And I'm not talking about fiber broadband, I'm talking about things like social networks. As long as these social networks are primarily based on business models, selling advertisements, and actually capitalizing on social relationships, I don't think it's ever turning out to be really good. Why not have an open-source, European value-based, independent, government-funded, but not government-controlled, very important social network? with open APIs and interfaces, so you can be interoperable to other social networks. These are things I would uh, recommend and also to fundamentally change the conditions for researchers and for startups. Talking about a culture of accepted failure and learning, for example, more easy access to funding, but also sustainable research conditions. Today, young researchers are struggling to get one-year contract, two-year contracts. They very often depend on third-party funding coming from companies, and so they have to do research in a field that is interesting for companies, but not necessarily interesting
0: for improving the society and solving problems for society. Daniela, the last question today goes to you. And I'm wondering if you think there will be any significant digital changes in the time the governing coalition has left, or is this something that the next government will have to fix?
3: Well, actually, we gave some push uh, into digitalization during the last uh, months and years. And uh, it takes some time that we will see the results. But I think. We will see these results. Uh, I already mentioned the uh, Online Zugangsgesetz, Online Access Law, which uh, makes administration give access to all services until the end of 2020. If I looked into administration, like the Bundesagentur for Labour, if I look into this administration, I see tremendous changes. They are going into artificial intelligence. They deeply go into digitalization, they used uh, the pandemic situation to go into it. And Anke talked about German administration, how long it takes to see changes, but I see changes in this administration. And I think that this can also be a role model, that there are administration that go into digitalization, which helps people, uh, which makes it easier for them to have access to benefits, for example. So this is a good thing I see. And also the money we gave into the infrastructure, I think. And I hope that we see the success during the following years. And last word, Olaf Scholz. Promises that he will go into a gigabit uh, society so that everyone should have uh, one gigabit per second until 2013. I think that this is a sign that every politician has understood there is something to be done and that it can be done. So I think looking into my crystal ball, we have
0: to have success and I think we can have success. That was Daniela Kolbe, who is with the Social Democratic Party and serves on the Artificial Intelligence Study Commission. My other guests are Bundestag member Anke Domscheit-Berg, who is the left party's spokeswoman on the Digital Agenda Parliamentary Committee, and Philipp Meissner, founder and head of the European Center for Digital Competitiveness at the ESCP Business School Berlin. Thank you all for being on Common Ground. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Our senior producer is Dina El-Sayed, and I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi nelson Thank you for listening, and please join us again next Monday for another episode of Common Ground. Our program is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy. Thank you also to our partner, Berlina Zeitung English Edition. You can download all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to check out our website, commongroundberlin.com.